to the King's Insider Podcast on csncalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN King's Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me, one of my favorite people in the business, former Sacramento King's shooting guard and current analyst for CSN Bay Area, Mr. Doug Christie. Doug, what's going on? What is up, Ham? I am hanging, man, just enjoying the summertime, watching everything going on with the Kings and getting riled up and ready for, uh, you know, this new season coming up, new arena. That should be an awesome sight, so I'm excited. You know what? I think a lot of people are excited. I I think some of it is a little tempered because they aren't quite sure what's happened with this offseason, where this offseason is taking them. What is your initial reaction maybe to the draft and free agency and how this is this team has been built so far during the offseason? Well, I, I think it's interesting from the standpoint that I, I don't think that Vlade is done. I don't know, but just looking at it, you know, there are a lot of big guys now on the roster. And, you know, that is, you know, Vlade's a big guy, so he likes big guys, I'm sure. But uh, he understands the, the whole skill position. And, and right now with the breakdown, uh, you got four centers and, you know, wing players, you got 10. So when you got four centers, seven, one, seven foot, six, 11, six, 11, that's going to be interesting. So I would say that there's probably a move that is still to be made. Uh, and I would assume that it would be at the point guard position, uh, because right now you got Darren Collison, who is a, a fantastic player, unfortunately, some, some issues that he has off the floor, but, uh, and then you, you draft cousins, Isaiah cousins as well, who I really like out of Oklahoma. I thought he was a really nice compliment to buddy healed and maybe, I don't know him. I'd, I'd like your take on this. Maybe kind of Reggie Jackson ish. Would you say, you know, he does have, I hadn't really seen that, but, uh, you're right. He's very offensive. He's not a lead guard. Uh, in the the typical assist sense, he doesn't seem to be, but he sure seems mm-hmm. to be a an exceptional athlete and a guy who, when you give him the ball and say go ahead and score it, then he has a lot of ability to go out and and drive the lane to hit the jumper. Uh, I just don't know if he is a point guard per se early in his career. I think it will take time to develop. I, I agree with that, and I think that that is going to be the key is can and Vlade and the staff and everybody can they teach these guys how to play basketball and how to play basketball the right way uh you know I, looking at Malachi Richardson I, I like what I saw out of him in the summer league I think you know it, you could tell that he played zone him in college some of the lock and trails you know his technique isn't quite down yet but uh he seems eager uh but I, I would say out of everyone the guy who shocked me the most was Scal Labissiere. Uh, oh boy, I I like what I see. I mean, I I could be wrong, him. I've been wrong before, <laughs> but uh, I I just watching him, you know, play some defense, grab a rebound, dribble down the floor, change directions a couple times while he's dribbling, and then pull up and knock down a jump shot. I was. I was really impressed with what I saw out of him. And I think that you could have picked him where you picked Papa and, you know, he fit right in. You got him late and he may be the steal. Um, Keep the fingers crossed on that one. 
Yeah, I think realistically, if the Kings would have drafted Scal at at number 13, people would have been okay with that. And for him to fall all the way to 28 is a miracle, but but I think people would have been okay with that. I don't think they're comfortable with Papi Giannis after watching him, you know, and what little bits we have got to see him at 13. Mm-hmm. If you could mm-hmm. just flip those two and put one at 13 and one at 28 and and the names are different, then I think people are more than comfortable with this draft. So maybe it's just a perception thing that needs to change with people. Well, I think don't worry about the numbers. It's the players. You look at, um, you know, anybody who's selected late in the draft, and and, uh, San Antonio has a bunch of them with Ginobili and all these different players. It doesn't matter where they got picked. The point is, can they play and will they produce? Uh, looking at Pop uh, Papianis, is that how? Yeah, Papianis, Papianis. Papi. So when I when I look at him, he he reminds me of Lottie a little bit from the standpoint that it looks like that he has a skill set about him, and I think that what overwhelmed him when I watched it was the athleticism of an NBA athlete, and that's what he saw I think for the first time. So he's going to have to learn how to use his skill set to dictate his game, meaning his pump fakes, his, you know, spot up or or face up jump shot, using other players, uh, dribble handoffs, pass and cuts, uh, you know, let guys split and drop dimes. And then all of a sudden it loosens the defense up and now learn how to use people's athleticism against them. And I I think that he will be okay. I I think when I look at him, you know, Vladi had an itch and he figured, look, let me get this guy before someone else gets him and he understands that he's a project but he could his top side could be really big uh you know i but when i look at it man scal just he he saves everything because he he turned one draft pick into uh what five was it and when you do that man yeah yeah so he he got though he got skull and he got Papianis, and then he also got bogdan bogdanovich for next season and that guy looks like a an absolute steal uh, I, I've read that if he would have been in this draft, most people believe he would have been in the top five. Uh, he's that good. He's a, a just a dead-eye shooter that is really played extremely well in Europe. He's a year away from coming over, but you're right. He takes one draft pick. He turns it into three. Whether you love Marquise Chris or not, I think Lebissier has as much potential as Chris does, but you yeah. got him and two other players. And you haven't had an opportunity to meet Scal yet, have you? No, I haven't. I haven't met anybody yet, and uh, I, I really look forward to it. When you meet him, his personality is even better than what you saw on the floor. He is the well, sweetest see, kid, and you are going to fall in love instantly. Well, that that goes just along that now you not only – uh, and this is a credit to Vlade. I have to give him credit, and people need to give him credit. If you get somebody like that with a skill set and with the proper attitude on and off the court, you also start changing the locker room, and that is a big thing because people don't understand a healthy locker room. That translates to on the court. It's the place where players go when they're done, when they're done with practice. They want to stay in the locker room because they enjoy talking to their teammates, being around their teammates, and chatting about basketball life and all the other things that go on with the NBA. And and that could just well be a really good start to that. Now, we talk about this this whole cultural change, and they bring in Anthony Tolliver, they bring in Garrett Temple, they bring in Matt Barnes, they bring in Aaron Aflalo. 
What are your thoughts on that core of veterans and what can they do to change not only the locker room, but to bring guys like Malachi Richardson around and to bring guys like Scal LeBissier, you know, to the into the game and put them under their wings and help them develop as people and players, you know, these super young guys. Uh, man, it, it's it's so huge. You can't say enough about what veterans can do for for young guys. Uh, it, it happened to me in New York on the end of the bench, talking to all the different veterans. But when I look at Aaron Aflalo, I, I, I always say he, looking at him, he kind of comes out of that Kobe mode because he was, you know, Kobe was around and watched. So you know, uh, his work ethic is going to be right. He's going to come in. He's going to do it the right way. Matt Barnes is a guy who's been around a long time seen a lot defensively he's going to be able to sprinkle a lot of guys with knowledge on top of the fact that he's going to be edgy so that's going to create an atmosphere and of competitiveness and practice and it, it just goes on and on when you you bring these guys who uh you know they're good guys they're also going to create a competitive atmosphere and they're going to go after it. That translates to the court. Now, you couple that, Ham, with DeMarcus Cousins in an absolutely incredible atmosphere that he is in right now with Team USA mm -hmm. and, and being around Popovich and, and all the different Krzyzewski and all the different coaches. We know what he did last time that he came back. He was a whole, totally different person. Well, now you add that with hot yoga and all all those different things, Ham, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm liking the mix a little bit more. I think it, it could be a little bit of a lean year, and, and people are going to have to accept that, you know, when you start changing this stuff, it takes a second. But directionally, I, I, I see what, what Vlade's trying to do. Now we just got to see what it does. Now, you're a guy who came into the league and didn't have instant success. It took you a little while to get your, your bearings and to, to start building on – sort of where you were in the draft and who you were as a player coming in and then to find yourself. When you look at the core group of veterans that they brought in, almost every single one of them is that same type of player where either they had to fight their way into the league uh, as an undrafted player or a second round pick, or they came into the league, thought they were, you know, the bee's knees and then struggled a bit and had to reinvent themselves. A guy like Aaron Aflalo, who really a George Carl helped reinvent Aaron Aflalo, what is that like? It, does that change your perspective on the game when, as opposed to coming in and just like DeMarcus, instantly dropping 15 and 10 or 15 and 9 in your rookie season? Next year, you know, you're going to average 18 and 10, and you know, you're just you're on this upward swing, as opposed to someone who maybe got humbled a little bit and had to learn a different way and had to reset who they thought they were and who they, they can be and then go forward. Can those guys really help culturally and help, you know, even again, those young players to help them develop? Yes, they, they can. It goes without saying that, that you know, humility in, in the NBA and getting it the way that some guys get it, I got it that way where you come in, maybe you think that you're a scorer, you think that it's just going to happen for you, and it doesn't. And now you have to go back. And when you go back, it, you have to create something in your mind that allows you to, to create a, a cornerstone that you build from. And most times, that's defense, uh, hard work. Uh, perseverance, stay, coming early, staying late. It creates that type of atmosphere. And now when you get young kids who are going to be around your Aaron Afalos, your, your Matt Barnes and, and Anthony Tollivers and all of those type of guys, 
the, the communication and, and now say, say um, uh, Malachi Richardson goes out and he doesn't do exactly what he thinks that he's going to do initially. Well, when he goes over there to the bench, he's going to be talking to some of these guys in practice, on the plane, in the locker room. He's going to be talking to them. And now they can share those experiences with him, Ham, which gives him a, a, a brighter vision. And, and the light at the end of the tunnel, it looks like sunshine instead of a train light coming at you. And they can explain how maybe they came out of it, how, how uh, a guy like myself saying something to Matt Barnes when Matt was young, hey, keep working on your game. There's different ways that you can pass that information on and pay it forward, and it is, it's totally invaluable. I can't speak about it enough because it worked for me, and, and now those guys around the Sacramento Kings organization, I think it's going to pay off in spades. You know, you talked about Matt Barnes there, and Matt Barnes is known, I think some people think he's he's brash, he's, um, you know, it, we could come up with a lot of different terms to describe Matt Barnes, um, uh-huh. but he's a guy that DeMarcus Cousins looks to, a lot like he did with Reggie Evans, a guy who they con- he considers him one of his dogs, you know what I mean? He's one of those mm-hmm. guys that... Yeah that he trusts and that he can rely on and that he knows has his back. What is it to have a guy like that on your roster? And of the guys you played with, who was that guy that stood out to you that you knew, you know, if things got crazy and things got real, that he was going to step in. He was going to be the one that helped deflect. He was going to be the one that maybe protected you like you protect others. So is there someone that jumps out at you in your career? Well, you know, I, I think automatically of Charles Oakley because he was an enforcer. But even when I was with the Kings, I mean, that Bobby Jackson stands out in my mind. Bobby isn't maybe big of stature, but his heart, the way that I, you, you know that you can depend on a guy and he's going to step up. And, and that translated to our whole team that we each had each other's back. And when you get, you know, a guy like DeMarcus who you got to surround him with people like that. So he doesn't always have to be the bad guy ham because he will be that and that is who he is i love the chip that marcus has on his shoulders because it, it is something that you need in the game but if you are the only one doing that that can then change to he has a bad attitude a lot of different things well now he has other guys so if someone steps into demarcus's zone instead of demarcus having to defend him for himself he knows that matt barnes is going to step in there he knows guys are going to step in and have his back that way that's why he'll gravitate and he'll 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 uh you know really like a guy like that because it, it is awesome to have a guy like that on your team i was that way bobby was that way i play with many guys who are that way and it's brotherhood and it creates something that you know i mean when i even look at at vlade vlade was the same way i mean we're not gonna fight out there but i have to know that he's gonna step in page is gonna step in guys are gonna have my back out there on the basketball floor so when you put matt barnes on the team i love the edginess that he brings i love the competitiveness uh, competitiveness that he brings he's been in big games He's going to give you everything that he's got, and that's all that you can ask for out of a player. All right, so you and I talked about this before we got on the air, but you're planning to move up to Sacramento. Uh, you're looking yes. for a place up here. Uh, what What is in store for Doug? Because I know your wife may have said some stuff on the basketball diaries, uh, on the basketball the basketball wives. <laughs> she may have said something on the basketball wives. What What is your plan going forward? Because – 
I love working with you. I got to be honest. You're an absolute treat to work with. And I know that Bobby, the, the trio with uh, with Guy and Bobby and you and, and getting to work with you guys is absolutely a joy. But I also know talking to you again and again that you want to coach, that you love to coach, and that you want to take a kid like Malachi who only played a zone at Syracuse and you want to teach him yeah. how to be that next level defender and sort of increase his basketball IQ by imparting things. So what is next for Doug Christie? Well, next is, uh, is television. I mean, being with the Kings and TV and radio, I, I am all in. Yes, I, I have a, a coaching bug. I, I love it. But I train athletes, so I get to itch that a little bit. It's not exactly the same way, Ham, but training them, talking to them, teaching, paying forward, all of those things, it is an absolute pleasure. But as of right now, I, I am all in. I am loving uh, you and Guy and Bobby and just being around everybody i am having the best time uh, i never thought that i would probably enjoy this the way that i am but it is uh something to behold I, I truly truly enjoy it have you talked to vlade about maybe being a mentor even if it is you're on the tv side but helping the mentorship of some of these young guys and just maybe just being around the team a little bit more uh, well you know Blade and, and Peja, they, they, we don't even have to talk because we're that way. He knows anything that he ever needs. I, I am here for him. I mean, we're, we're brothers from other mothers and fathers because uh, we have love for each other like that. So if, if he, he called me day or night, I am there for him. So anything, if he needed something, if he wants me to do anything like that, he knows that, that I am all in, uh, loving to death. So whatever I can do to help him, be successful. The Kings be successful because, uh, as I always say, uh, there's a parade that is due. I have no freaking idea what it's going to happen, <laughs> but it has to happen, my friend. It has to happen, Doug. It has to happen. All right, so I don't want to keep you all day. We got the Golden One Center. You got, I think it's at this point, it's eight new faces in Sacramento, eight new players with the potential for another three or four to change Uh how much are you looking forward to this new season, new building, new faces, new team, hopefully new DeMarcus Cousins with a big, shiny, giant gold medal? How much are you looking forward to this? Hey, well, the Golden One Center is all golden, man. I cannot wait. I mean, I haven't been up there in a while. I see pictures online. I usually check daily just to kind of see what's going on. And it, I, I'm excited. I, I just I, I can't wait. When you talk about bringing a, a new team, a new attitude, a new era into that building for these fans who are the best in the business, uh, it, it is a it is a happy time in Sacramento, and it is the 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 upside is just so tremendous. With all, I mean, we're we're just talking about basketball, but what about the development of downtown and you know. Uh, Sacramento having soccer now and just all the different things that are going on. Uh, the capital city is doing big things and man, I, I can't wait. Uh, it, it's going to be awesome to walk into that building, look around. I'm going to, I'm going to go from top to bottom and walk around. They're going to have to ask me, Hey man, do you want to do your job? You might need to go watch the game <laughs> uh, because it, it, it looks like one heck of a place. So 
Uh, I am excited. Uh, looking at the roster, uh, I know you've got to formulate and do probably some more things. Like I said, it's probably going to be at the point guard position. Whether there are some trades or different stuff that goes on is yet to be seen. But this is an exciting time. Coach Yeager and, and everybody that they, they brought in, Elson Turner, who, who is a, a, a lifelong friend from being a coach and going through many battles with him, so excited for, for him to be on the staff, this is going to be uh, the start of something. Now we just have to see where it goes. So, yeah, I would say, Ham, I am a, a, a tad bit excited, my friend. That's right. That's right. All right. So, uh, Doug, are, are you going to try to do what Bobby does and walk around the building without your media pass? Or do you think new building, you got you got you can't just say, I'm, I'm Doug Christie. What do you think? Ah man, the media pass thing. You think they'll you think they'll make me wear my media pass? Man, that's cold blooded, man. I, you know, I've blood, sweat, and tears up there in Sacramento, and now, excuse me, sir, where's your pass at? Yeah, I think NBA security is stepping up quite a bit. You damn right, I'm gonna have my pass on, Ham. That's right. All right, the incomparable Doug Christie. Thank you so much for dropping by, man. Anytime, man. Go Kings. Welcome back to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me for this second portion of the podcast, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, what's going on, man? Hey, is that like a Yahoo thing? That, that, the, the .com? I can't remember what it is, but it, it always sticks in my head. I, it's probably from a Super Bowl commercial. It, it, it's one of the, uh, the bigger, but I, I love it. It always makes me laugh. Well, thank you. You could do our read-ins or our promos or our jingles. There you could do is. it all. There it is. I could be your jingle guy. There Thanks, it is. Man. Awesome. All right, so Aaron, uh, you went to Tahoe last weekend. How was Tahoe? Uh, what's going on? How are, how are you faring in the summer heat? I am doing really well. I got up there, and we stayed away from the casinos. We stayed away from all of the century, American Century Golf Tournament. We just went way up into the, the, the mountains at a resort up there and did – Absolutely nothing, and it was perfect because we're recharging our engines at, over at hoopdashball.com. We are getting our preseason draft guide for the fantasy side. Um, we're getting all that worked out. So there's really just no offseason in the NBA anymore. So if you get a chance to go do nothing up in Lake Tahoe, you go up to Lake Tahoe and you do nothing. You know, we were talking earlier, and you said you tried to swim for the buoy. and, and <laughs> Dude, Aaron, never swim for the buoy. Never swim I, for the I'm buoy. such a sucker for that. Actually, on our honeymoon, I'm out in the, uh, like the, what is it, the French Riviera, uh, Cinque Terre, I get that right. The Cinque Terre um, in the Italian Riviera. That's me. right. Um, so, like, I tried <laughs> to swim out to the rocks. I almost died on my honeymoon. It was bad. I, luckily, you can float out there because there's a lot of salt in the water. And I was able to backstroke in, but as I was paddling back in, I'm like, oh, no, this is not going well. I'm going out to sea. And, uh, yeah, don't be, don't be dumb, kids. Just don't yeah. be like me. That's right. Yeah, I'm not a great swimmer, so you'll never see me swimming for the buoy. Uh, I think in eighth grade, we had our eighth grade picnic. I almost drowned uh, trying to swim across Rollins Lake in Grass Valley. It's stupid. Like I, I just, it's like a dog, you know, like I got to chase the car. Like I got to swim to the buoy. If I go, it's going to be that way. You'll listen to this podcast and you'll all shed a tear. Yep. That's right. Shout out to Renee Wood for saving me in eighth grade and pulling me to the side. Thank you very much. I would not be here today. Uh, all right. So, uh, this is our standard podcast. We've got a lot to talk about, but not really. It's the dog days of summer. 
everyone kind of knows where we're at during the season, but we're going to do our best to, to kind of keep it within range. We just keep going long. I don't know how we go long when we have a lack of information, um, but we're going to cover some fun stuff today. Uh, I think it's fun, but I, I don't know that it's totally fun for most people out there because... Let's be honest. Uh, there's no great news that's coming yet. We haven't seen a trade. Uh, and what little news we do have to talk about, some of it isn't that great to talk about. So we're going to start out with the DeMarcus Cousins situation. He's at Team USA. He's having a great time. My goodness, he looks incredible. He actually invited Jason Jones to do hot yoga with him. Did you see that? That was a great article because I'm just I couldn't help but crack up reading it the whole time. Yeah, and so props you, to Jason for for actually going through with it. And if you know Jason, I can't even imagine Jason in a hot yoga class. I I don't even know what was. I mean, first of all, I can't do yoga at all. I've got back issues that uh, preclude me from the yoga class. But Jason Jones doing hot yoga, I I would have sat there with popcorn and like cheering, you know, I, clapping, loud clapping. So. Uh, so some good stuff there, but DeMarcus is bonding with his teammates in, in Team USA. And I, I think, you know, we'll get to his comments that he made afterwards, but Aaron, I'm going to say this, like, there's some pluses and some minuses to bonding with your teammates with Team USA. Pluses is everyone hopes that DeMarcus comes back a better leader, uh, in great shape, ready to roll, ready to take this team by the horns and ride it to the playoffs. Everyone's hoping that. Same time, I think it's also a window into DeMarcus Cousins' like mortality as a basketball player. And I think that is a huge issue that the Sacramento Kings are going to face coming coming up. It's that their plans and DeMarcus Cousins' playing career don't seem to be on the same path. At Am I off in that thinking? I'm thinking he's a 25, almost 26-year-old. He's entering his prime. And the next two years, if he's with the Sacramento Kings, all of those two years, I don't think the Kings, they might be able to somehow sneak into a 7 or 8 seed, but they're not contending. And they really, I feel like it's possible that the Kings are going to waste two years of his prime right here. See, I, I don't know. I can see why you would say that because you, you're expecting DeMarcus Cousins to A, want to be contending for something, and and B, that the Kings cannot reasonably expect to get to that something anytime soon. Um, but the good news is I think this is a kind of not take it or leave it situation, but it's either going to work or it won't work situation. And we're going to find that out really soon. I don't think that either side has an appetite for a continued – um, bad relationship and, and not even with each other, but just with wins and losses. So if he comes out and he clicks, then I think everything's fine. And I think we see a player that makes a jump by the Kings, something that could actually be a thing. Um, you know, there's not that they're not players like this in the league. So it's not hard to imagine if he's in shape the way he is right now, if he is effective the way that we saw in that first stretch of the, the Mike, uh, pardon me, Michael Malone days, I could see him coming in and just knocking the crap out of other teams. And, and it, at that point, it does not matter as much what's going on around him on the roster. I, I do like the Kings roster as well. Uh, so that's if it works. 
if it doesn't work and we approach the trade deadline, I think it's a pretty clear ramp for some sort of a trade market for him. Uh, teams would be throwing themselves at the Kings at that point if they make it clear that they would want to trade DeMarcus Cousins. Now, I don't think any of that's in the cards right now, but it is a pretty easy um, thing to project here that the next three months will be a tryout for both the Kings and DeMarcus Cousins as to whether or not these two parties can be a force going forward. All right, so so let's just run over what DeMarcus said. On the first day of training camp, he was asked about the draft and sort of what's happened, and he said, I do my job. I can't control that. I can't, he, and then he steals a line from Jason Thompson, which I love because him and Jason Thompson are not BFFs. He says, I can control what I can control. I don't really understand it, but like I said, I do my job. And everyone in the world, he, like again, he had a 12 or 13 minute interview. The only words that made anyone like take notice or circle anything or write an article was, I don't really understand it. And so now everyone is is running to the press. DeMarcus Cousins doesn't understand why the Kings drafted uh, Papi Giannis, why they drafted Scott Labissier. Uh, and you know what, Aaron? I am really, really remind me, reminded of uh, the, night, uh, the 2004 uh, smash hit Euro trip. And uh, <laughs> Matt Damon standing on stage, and I'm just you know, Scotty doesn't know. That's what I, 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 I want to see you tie this into a bow. Go on. Well, it's Demarcus doesn't know. He doesn't know, and and that's a huge issue. That's he, how you're going to tie that into a bow. He yes. is out in the cold. <laughs> there is a lot going on in the King's world, and Demarcus Cousins doesn't know what's going on. He is the dude who's standing back while other people are doing other things, and he's like, I, I don't know. I- that, that movie is aged okay. It's actually maybe even aged well. The Matt Damon part gets better with age. It does It does look better every time. The whole the movie end. gets better with age, but... But you understand what I'm saying. It's like he's going around like... like doing what he does. I do what I do. I I go play basketball and I don't tell the general manager who I want or what I want. And people are like, oh, well, I, I DeMarcus should have some input. Well, if DeMarcus had any input, any, any input people, Rajon Rondo would be a Sacramento King. That tells me that DeMarcus Cousins had absolutely no input at all on this offseason. He didn't go say, get me Anthony Tolliver. He didn't say, go get me Garrett Temple uh, or Aaron Aflalo. Um, Actually, he really wanted Courtney Lee, and so did a few of the other players on this roster. But he did say, go get me Matt Barnes, which I I, I don't know. He said, I really like Matt Barnes. I don't think he called Vlade and said, go get me Matt Barnes, because Matt Barnes is 36, and that's hot. Uh, I'm going with Matt Barnes. So what I'm saying is that in this scenario, DeMarcus doesn't know. DeMarcus doesn't know. <laughs> so don't tell DeMarcus because DeMarcus doesn't know. I, I, that, that, how, do I, how do I segue out of that? I'm going to say this move to, to draft Papa Giannis has just a lot of different layers to it. And 
I'm not going to sit here and bag on DeMarcus because we ask our athletes to provide honest quotes. And I don't think maybe 80% of the NBA probably thinks that that was a good draft pick at that spot. And so if 80% of the NBA is thinking that, I'm not going to sit here and bag on DeMarcus for not being able to find the corporate kind of, you know, what you want, want your player to say in that situation, which is I support my GM in the draft. We had a great draft, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to bag on him for that, especially given the history of the franchise and what they've done. And I will also recognize at the same time, it would have been a lot cooler if he did say that. And that I think is what everybody is kind of, you know, rankled by is you're just making things harder DeMarcus, when you go this route. So this is something that, you know, hopefully for all parties, it just blows over. It's the dog days of summer. People need stuff to talk about and none of it matters. But the pick itself is really revealing uh, for me because this is, I mean, unless Summer League was just this major aberration and maybe there's an injury involved and he does come back in shape um, in, in better, lighter shape that maybe, you know, we just got a bad snapshot of him. But I think what we were probably saw there is that he's not ready for two to three years. And that happens to coincide with the time that, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, if he was traded, would be out of here. So you're you're finding your post-DeMarcus solution with this kind of a move, but also not threatening him with somebody that could actually step on the court right away. So that is why maybe it's just a little confusing because it's like, hey, I want help now. You know, can you get me Wade Baldwin? Can you get me any number of these other guys that fell that would have been, you know, addressing some of our needs, not a stash for two years that also happens to play my position. So when asked, he gives that, I don't know. And then with DeMarcus, he just doesn't have a filter. So he's going to tell you what he thinks. And that's, again, you know, part of the problem here. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think the biggest thing for DeMarcus and for his situation is that he comes in and is effective right away and that the team is effective right away. And I'm more optimistic on that front, A, because of the shape he's in, B, because Jaeger's not going to be crazy and having him play shooting guard. C, DeMarcus is not the general manager and, and bringing back guys like Rajon Rondo, who would clearly be a bad guy to bring back. I think that the team is going to function pretty well. And with success that can help turn the narrative just like team USA will help turn the narrative on DeMarcus cousins. Okay. I, I agree with a lot of what you say there. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this, first of all, I don't think that Papianis is a replacement for DeMarcus cousins. I, I just don't believe that that, that that's the case. I, I think that it makes sense that two years from now, um, that he would step up and be part of, a you know, a, a more, a bigger role within the organization. But for me, we talked about this a little bit last week. I think the initial idea was for him to be a replacement for Costa Kufis. And everyone saw that Costa Kufis's minutes didn't work at all last year with DeMarcus. And so let's get someone in here that's different than Costa, but hopefully can provide, you know, 12 to 18 minutes a game, eat some, eat some minutes while we have, you know, guys like Tolliver and guys like Willie Cauley-Stein and uh, guys like Omri Caspi that can slide over and play the four. If Rudy Gay is still on the roster, he will be asked to slide over and play some four. So I think realistically, they thought we can probably move Costa because it didn't work last year and we can find a good fo- home for him and maybe use him as an asset, which hasn't worked out yet. Uh, I 
again, qualify it with yet. We don't know what's going to happen here in this offseason still with him and Rudy Gay and Ben McLemore. But at the same time, even if Papianis can't come in and be a a dominant force or a really, uh, you know, if he can't score and he can't, I, I still believe that Papianis could come in and play, even in his first week in the NBA, I think he could play 8 to 12 minutes a game as a big body, he looks like he can defend. He knows how to stay in front of a man, uh, you know, in the high post. He he looks like he has a little bit of an understanding of the pick and roll. And I, I think he can rebound and he can put the ball back. And, like, if I need him to go out there and just give me some basic, like, four minutes a half, I think I can steal four minutes a half with him as my guy. But I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. But I think DeMarcus looks at that and says, you didn't help me immediately. And the roster improvements aren't, oh my gosh, improvements. They're they're more like a walk and a bunt single and a sack fly that, that you know, pushes both runners up and, and then a ground out to second base that scores a runner from third. And so I got one run out of the four guys. And, and I think the draft might have some of the same things you you might have a strikeout or a a foul tip uh followed by uh you know maybe a single and maybe a double and and then maybe runners get stranded on base with a fly out and so I think that DeMarcus has the right to to voice a little bit of concern because and I would voice more concern but I would do it behind the scenes I would, if I were DeMarcus, and you're going to put my name all over this franchise, then help me out here. Do something that makes sense for me. And I don't know what that is, but I think it's probably trading for a point guard that not only does he know, but he also likes and he can work with. Someone like Eric Bledsoe. Or it's someone that, again, like Brandon Knight that has value as a starter and if I'm going to trade Rudy Gay out I'm going to get sort of the same production just at a different position and so I I really think that the Kings at this point they almost don't they almost have to do something big for DeMarcus just to show him that this is like short term and long term can have can coexist at the same time yes and no I don't know I I I think that that was the one takeaway that that was pretty revealing and intriguing as well was that they weren't able to smooth that over with him and maybe they haven't made the attempt or a good enough attempt to smooth it over um and and that 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 you know it that stuff's hard to say because they have spent time with each other demarcus does answer questions very honestly we could just be reading into this way too much yeah but the 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 fact that they're not on the same page is probably the most revealing about it. And uh, I think that as far as like, what do you do right now? Like that you have your assets, unfortunately Costa Cufos can't be traded now. I don't think, cause I, I mean, even if, even if Papianos can play four minutes a half, I just don't think that you can bet on that going into the season. And uh, Costa is now going to have to come in and play backup center. Cause you cannot have DeMarcus Cousins go down and have, you know, Willie Cauley Stein is your center, and then your backup is who? You know, Scal. Papi Giannis. You know, well, yeah. But it's assumed. But here's the thing: if you, if Papi Giannis can't defend the pick and roll, it would just be a bloodshed out there on the court every single time he's on the court. That's going to be the big problem with him 
Um, he did show that he could rotate in summer league, but summer league and the NBA are like night and day. So and he didn't block a single shot in summer league. His 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 lateral quickness is not there right now. So I'm very hesitant to say, you know, if he sees somebody coming around the corner on the pick and roll, that he's going to be able to even do anything. He probably ends up, you know, fouling quite a bit. So uh, I, I think in terms of improvement, we're waiting on the rest of the NBA to get through this awkward stage with the Blake Griffin, Russell Westbrook situation that is probably holding everything up. And as you know, in collective bargaining and anything else that has deadlines, deadlines are what drive deals and there's no deadline for those parties. And unless there's something else that loosens up the trade market and forces those guys to get serious right now, they're just swapping stories through the press about how Blake Griffin's quad is, you know, something that's a very serious concern. And it is a very, uh, very serious concern. The quad was, you know, he, he was supposedly out because of the hand after punching his, his buddy, but it was his quad that kept him out after his hand was healed. Mm-hmm. So that's a big issue. He's had knee concerns in the past. And, you know, we've talked about the degradation of his physicality. Um, Russell Westbrook, that situation is percolating. I would expect that to get, um, I'd expect that to heat up probably sometime after Team USA is done. And again, the deadlines are what drives deals. I, it's kind of funny. I think the Thunder are going to try to maybe play a little chicken with this and let this creep into the preseason and into the regular season. That's crazy. I mean, you're talking about most, more or less derailing that franchise until that's figured out. And then everybody else that would be in the Russell Westbrook sweepstakes is waiting patiently to find out if they actually have a chance at it. So once those dominoes fall, then I think the Kings can figure out, is there another piece that we can add to the puzzle? All right, and I'm just going to tell people right now, the Kings do not have the assets to get Russell Westbrook. They don't have the assets, they're, and they're never going to consider trading DeMarcus Cousins straight across because DeMarcus has two years left on his contract and can be renegotiated soon, where Westbrook has a year left on his contract and will shop himself and likely go wherever he wants to go next summer when teams all have the... I don't know if he's going to get 25 mil a year to start. Whatever his his league minimum is, I mean, his league maximum is for his years of service, Russell Westbrook will get, and he'll get however long he wants. So the Kings are not in a position to go out and land uh, Russell Westbrook under any circumstance. They just don't have the assets. And whether they have the assets to get anyone that is of high quality at this point to add to this roster is it's still up in it's up in the air. I mean, I think it will take multiple moves if you want to if you want to land somebody uh that makes sense for this roster. And I and I think the Kings can if they're really really sneaky with what they're trying to do and, you know, so maybe they go to a Chicago and say, "Look, um, you know, what do you got without any how much how much salary can you take?" You know, they uh, Chicago was interested in Costa Cufas last year. They lost Joe Kim Noah. Maybe you could get them to gamble and give you a, uh, a a swap of Costa and some expiring con. Well, something that doesn't mean anything right now that you could waive, and in exchange for releasing the potential for the 2017 draft pick to go their way. Um, that's something that I would look into. It's, you know, can I 
reclaim one of my assets and that asset would be the 2017 draft pick that is top 10 protected if i'm chicago and i can get costa kufis and guarantee that i have a player and and not uh i would probably do that because if i'm looking at that pick i think it's very likely that the kings are back in the top 10 next season and that i don't get that pick and it goes it becomes a second round pick you so, mean you're not going to roll on the road to 43 or whatever I end up picking? The this road year? to 43 is not happening. I I, I I feel real good about this one. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'll just I, I will reserve the right to change my bet until a few weeks from now. <laughs> um, I, well, actually, you know, I, I just want Vegas to do the right thing and put out 28, like like they're probably going to put out maybe 31. 33. Give me 33. I'll take 33 again. I'm crazy. I, I would put them at 30. I think that's that's where I think that's where Vegas will put them. Like not me. I, me. I'll, I'll come up with some number that I. I actually do believe that they improve their roster, but they still have a gigantic hole at the point guard position because of Darren Collison's uncertainty and just the fact that they don't have a second point guard and the point guard that they do have ha- has been injured in the past and. He's a free agent at the end of the season. All of these things play into my mindset. So, so I'm, I would I'm be more confident though with here. Garrett Temple back there. I, I'm, I've just, I, I think he can plug the hole as well as anybody else that's out there in free agency at this point. And hmm. he, he's, he's really earned it. He's, he's developed his game. You're not asking him to come out and be a, a big time playmaker. And I, man, if. If they don't dump the ball to the post to DeMarcus Cousins, you know, 20, 25 times a game, you know, maybe that's a little high. But I mean, realistically, when you have that type of player on the block, the ball should never go anywhere else. You know, they didn't say, hey, Hakeem, you know, go out there and, and, and dribble at the top of the key until, you know, the defender falls asleep and go around him. They started the offense through him and he would kick it out and they would swing it, rotate, three-point shot. It was real simple. You know, well, I'm not saying also, DeMarcus like- is Hakeem, but, you know, he's pretty dang effective down there Hakeem couldn't dribble that might be one of the reasons uh well you know DeMarcus it's a different game it's a different they gotta get DeMarcus out of the mindset of yes you can dribble that's great but you're just way better down here he's gonna be asked to shoot threes at Team USA I guarantee you he's gonna come back with that mindset that he can he can hit a bunch of threes again and I'm not that I'm not totally averse to him shooting threes I I enjoy watching him shoot threes because I think he's got a beautiful shooting stroke and I think that he can he can shoot them. I just don't want 150 of them a season. Uh, you know, if he if he shoots 80 of them and goes like 35 for 80, then I'm okay. You just don't you don't let the defense off the hook like that. I mean, I they, they they're sitting there going, God, I hope they don't put Demarcus in the in the post. God, I hope they don't put Demarcus in the post. And then he's out on the perimeter, and they're like, Thank God, he's out there on the perimeter. And that's just letting the defense off the hook. So yes, you can do that stuff, but you know maybe get into the playoffs, win some games, and then start going for style points. That's right. Okay, so let's skip to our next topic. Uh, we have hosed the Demarcus Cousins situation. Uh, my opinion is Demarcus doesn't know uh, <laughs> that that is where where I'm at with this. Um, we're gonna. Get, you mentioned something there that you think that Garrett Temple is better than any of the options out there in free agency. And so what we're going to do is I'll explain something really quick. The Kings did here. I don't know if people, they're probably wondering why. Okay, so they had salary holds for all of their rookies. And uh, this last week they went and they signed all of their rookies. And in the NBA, 
there's a salary slot for every position in the draft and that the player that you you drafted that position you, you really can't pay them less than the minimum for that position but you can pay them up to 20 percent more for their services and so so basically a, a player who who's slotted at two million can make 2.4 million dollars if i'm not mistaken i it's it's right around that it's a 20 percent little little movement so why would the Kings spend their last remaining dollars in cap space on their rookies when they could have waited and used a little bit more money and, and done a few other things? Because the Kings have three first-round picks. Um, and so I'll explain. What they did is in order to, to sign certain people, they have to renounce the rights, not just to players like Seth Curry or Rajon Rondo. They also have to renounce their rights to something like a mid-level exemption so every team gets a five point something million mle and everyone you know goes around the kings used to uh you know basically stay mediocre because they kept using their mle on guys like i don't know uh mikey moore sharif abdul rahim uh, you could just keep going down the list. They kept using their MLE, and that's how teams used to save really bad. Well, the Kings used up all their cap space, and now they they have what's called a room exception. And because they started under the cap, and they're still under the luxury threshold, they have one more exemption left, and that is a... Okay, so they can also sign minimum players, any minimum players that they want, as many as they want, actually. But they also have this room exception, which is a little under $3 million. And they can go out and use that to sign a player to a two-year deal worth $6 million. Uh, it's what they did last year with, uh, well, actually two years ago with, uh, no, 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 it was last year, with Omri Caspi. They signed him to a, de- a deal using the room exception. Um, so the Kings need a backup point guard. Like I like Garrett Temple, but I think Garrett Temple is more of a two and a three at this point at age, you know, 31. He's transition. He hasn't really played a lot of point guard. Um, so Aaron, I'm going to ask you, if you're the Kings and you have this, do you run into the season or do you look at one of these four players and say, okay, I, I think we could hire one of those guys for a short term and, and just have them on the roster to help out during this transition where we figure out what's happening, maybe even next year. You'd have them next year when Darren Collison is a free agent. So we've got Ty Lawson, Mario Chalmers, uh, Larkin, and Norris Cole. Are are you comfortable with any of those three being an addition to this roster that would make sense? Yeah, all of them. I mean, all of them make sense in the limited role that they would be playing. So, I mean, you're just – at that point, you're just looking for – for experience, you know, short bursts of energy. I mean, I don't know what the status is on Ronnie Price. He'd be a guy I'd probably look at. Um, well, now, Ronnie I'm, Price is old. I know he's that. old, but he, he's he's. <laughs> he, I mean, he's a he, he he's a tough player, and he's not going to be able to do a whole lot for you long term. He's not going to be able to win you any games, but he would play some tenacious defense, probably start a fight. Um, you know, just get you through whatever kind of, you know, spot we got Darren Collison, you know, looking at here. I, I don't think, um, 
that, that's the weird part about this situation is maybe the Kings know something we don't know as far as the duration of a suspension would be for him because say it was a lengthy one, you know, now you're, you're really, you're stressing Garrett Temple in that spot quite a bit. Um, and you don't really have a solution beyond that. Yeah. So I, I do think all those guys, the, the, the good news is, is that the point guard market is going to be pretty soft. Uh, the, 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 those guys don't have a lot of places they could go now. So maybe they're just sitting back waiting to get some more information on the Darren Collison thing. Maybe they've got information that suggests that they don't have to worry about it too much and that Garrett, Garrett Temple can come in, run the team for X amount of games and not skip a beat. And you don't have to really worry about bringing another guy in who may or may not want to play in a situation where it's like, hey, you got two games and then you're going to be the third point guard. You know, then, then those guys might be more apt to wait it out and see if they could get on with another team that maybe suffers an injury during training camp or whatever have you. Everybody at this time of year is sitting back waiting to figure out, you know, how does the dust settle after free agency and what happens going into training camp? All right. So I personally believe that, number one, they don't have a backup point guard at all. I don't believe that Garrett Temple is a backup point guard. I think he can steal a couple of minutes there. But a backup point guard should be able to play 30 games if you have your starting point guard go down. And on top of that, if Garrett Temple is your backup point guard, which I I will I refuse to acknowledge, uh, but if he is your backup point guard, who is his backup in case Darren Collison is hurt? Uh, from what I know, the Kings believe that Collison might get two or three games. Uh, but they're willing to under, they would understand that he could get five to ten. Now, saying that right there, I don't know what they're gonna, what he's gonna get, and I don't think that the Kings have a good barometer on this situation hardly at all because they did not believe he was going to be charged at all, and so I don't really believe that they have a good grasp on what's gonna happen here. So that tells me, number one, again, well, and now I'm like number three, um, you have to have somebody. So if I'm if I'm bringing in Ty Lawson, I'm expecting 18 to 20 minutes a night from Ty Lawson the entire season. That'd probably be the name I wouldn't bring in. I, and I'll say this: I'm a believer in Garrett Temple. I, I think that he had he held it down in the past for the Wizards, and I, I would I'll put the old the old name on the line and say that if he's pressed into action as a starting point guard, the Kings fans are, are happy with his performance not thrilled but they go you know what he came in did a decent job got the ball to the people that needed the ball and um that they'll be fine with it but you know that's just one man's opinion and i'll counter that the dude's never averaged what his best season ever is 7.3 points per game how do you put a point guard out there that you thought rondo collapsed the lane oh oh no 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 no. He's, he's way better than rondo He's he, right now. He's way better than Rajon Rondo. I, I'm just gonna back that up and just say that you just you, said you that can, Garrett Temple is a better point guard than Rajon. Oh, than with, Rajon without Rondo. without blinking, without having to think about it, without anything. I don't even have to like look at anything. I it's not even close. Boy, ve. Uh, just just you send your hate to Aaron Bruski on Twitter. A A R O N B R U S K I. I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. It's Garrett Temple will be a fine leader. If pressed into action, now his lack of a reliable jump shot would eventually be a hindrance over the long term. But again, we're talking about Demarcus Cousins is the focal point of your offense. You don't need to get, you don't need to generate offense with Garrett Temple. You just need somebody competent with the basketball 
that can play hard defense, be a good leader. And that's what he is. And I stretch mean, the floor. He's got to stretch the floor. He, he's he can have... shoot. That's the thing. He shoots primarily three-pointers, you know, because that's been his role in the past. But I get it. You know, he's not known for being a great shooter. That's not going to be. But, he, I mean, he's way better than Rajon Rondo. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. And, uh, and I, when I look at this and I and I look at a starting lineup to start the season with a guy who averaged 7.3 points at the point guard position, uh, a guy who averaged really struggled to average 12 points a game at the two guard position, a power forward who, what, six points a game in Willie Cauley-Stein. I mean, even if you expect increases from Willie Cauley-Stein, you can't expect increases from a 31-year-old shooting guard and a 31-year-old point guard that, you know, one of them who's on the downside of his career, the other one who can offer you a lot, but what he can't offer you is scoring. And if you walk into a contest and your starting lineup is posting 45 points a night, you're you're absolutely toast. I'm fine. Like, they're going to be running co- coherent and competent basketball plays. And With three is, people guarding Demarcus Cousins, I'm I'm fine. Take that, take that bleak, <laughs> take that bleak situation that you paint, and plug in Dave Yeager, and take out George Carl, and take out Rajon Rondo, and the the improvement is going to be like night and day, and in, in, in what in terms of what they run and why they run it. So, I don't think it's as important. Um, I, I think they do need more scorers, or you know, another scorer. I'm just not as hung up on that. I think that they can get by. I mean, again, I'm not tell, I'm not saying he's like a starting quality point guard in the NBA over 82 games. I'm just saying, especially if it's a two to ten game suspension for Darren Collison, that's probably why they're not panicking. Is they know he's going to come in, hold down the fort, come in, play a solid backup, and then if a point guard falls into their lap, or maybe the the market you know shuffles out, and then at the end. Prior to tra- training camp, you know what's available if you're these other guys that really are realistically looking for playing time. I mean, if they've had a successful career, they've got money saved up. They just want to know where they can get minutes. They just don't know that, right? There's always, I mean, Derek Rose could snap any second. You know, that I would totally open up. I totally agree. There's a, a number of point guards that fit that description. So all the, everybody right now is in a posturing, waiting position. I just don't, th- I, I think that the Kings are confident in Garrett Temple. And I am going to put... The 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 name on the line, Garrett Temple's the guy. They still need another guy because yeah, I'm, I'm good with injury that. history. They still have to have someone else. So I mean, I'm okay with Norris Cole, and I'm okay with uh, with Rio. I'm okay with Mario Chalmers. See, but Just, both of those guys have concerning injuries as well. But we're talking about a, a second a second point guard who can stand there and hit three point shots. And that was the beauty of the Garrett temple pickup though, is because he doesn't need to be the backup point guard. He can be a backup two or three. I, I agree. And I, I like the temple signing. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think that he's a, a backup point guard. And if he is, he's the third I, point guard that I don't know mind. who Ronnie price signed with. I, I know there's reports. He signed a two year deal with another team. I thought he stayed with Phoenix. I don't know this. I, I, I love would Ronnie like, Price. I, mean, I would Ronnie think Price, Price would, be, would be custom fit for this kind of a position where he could come in, teach these guys how to play hard, a little bit dirty, you know, come in and just give good. He gave good minutes for Phoenix, even though it was kind of questionable why they were playing him at times. 
he did his work, and uh, that would be a smart pickup for the Kings in a, in a short-term capacity, if he's even available. The, the reports I'm seeing here is he's agreed to a two-year deal with another team, and I have not put any sort of feelers out to figure out if that's a, even an option for the Kings. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my point, I, I mean, I think Ronnie Price is nice. Ronnie Price, to be honest, he looks a lot like Anthony Tolliver, Garrett, Temple, uh, you know, the rest of the guys that the Kings signed. Matt Barnes. He's a veteran, a locker room guy, a guy who can come in and instantly help with culture and help you bring along young players. I, I get that, um, but he's also not a guy who's going to win you any games. And you you can't have a team completely filled with guys who aren't going to win you any games except for one guy. And that's really tough to do. I mean, because other teams come in knowing that. They know they don't have to guard Ronnie Price on the perimeter. And, and but he would I mean he's collapse. a perfect he's a perfect third guard off the bench if Garrett Temple does turn into your backup point guard he, it's a great third guard to have off the bench I'll just say that and then uh I don't know what's up with Shane Larkin if he's gotten a uh a deal signed here he would be a guy that could theoretically give you some minutes yeah um, yeah I mean I I think that that's not a bad I I mean I just think that the Kings need someone else and, and that's all I'm saying and it's got to be someone who I think can play 18 to 20 minutes a night because I think you need a backup point guard. And I wouldn't mind a guy on a two-year deal, so at least you know next season you have a point guard, someone who can play the point. I don't care, you know, what someone who can actually stand there and dribble the ball up and pass it. Because as of right now, I think the Kings have one legitimate point guard on the on the roster and then one guy who can play some point guard but again, your one guy who's on the roster who can play the point guard position is probably going to miss some time. Shane and- Larkin's available. Um, there's like maybe four or five options that would fit the Kings, and then not one of them is really a whole lot better than the other. So I understand why they're waiting and just seeing how this shakes out because there's not going to be a run on point guards at any point in time soon. I would take Tony she- Douglas. I-, I like Tony Douglas too. I think so. he got picked up. I'm not 100% sure there. I think he got waived. I don't think he got picked up. Either way, I, I think they have to they have to fix that position. And they have to fix it like sooner rather than later. And I think what they might be doing is seeing what they can do in trade and see if the situation is cleared up via trade. But Yeah, I, Tony I Douglas know. is available, and he would be a pretty good pickup. And that's, I mean, now we're talking like five guys that we haven't even mentioned Steve Blake. Well, Steve Blake, again, like... Uh, he's not effective. Kurt he's not going to. Yeah, but at least Steve Blake can hit a can hit an open jumper. I think Steve Blake is probably going to go try to land himself as a third point guard on a really good team and and hope to win a ring somewhere just as a as a reserve. But you know, and again, Heinrich, I don't think he's coming to Sacramento. Yeah, the Kings they could easily wait, see if they can swing a deal for a point guard, and then if not, you've got five or six options that can fit into that. We need somebody role. That's right. Okay, so let's finish this up with our last topic. And uh, he's, you know, Ed Isaacson well. Uh, you know, we had Ed on for uh, for pre-draft coverage. He came out on Twitter and defended a position and had some pretty strong words about Willie Cauley-Stein. And I know it's one of your hoopball, uh, hoop-ball.com guys that, that was having a, a loud discussion with him um, on Twitter, but... Uh, I don't know like, if John, I don't know if John can get loud, so I don't know if I would call it loud. Well, he may have typed in all caps. I don't know, 
you know. <laughs> did he? Yeah. No, no, I don't, no, he didn't I'm, just, I'm just Maybe kidding. Ed did. I, was, I can see Ed typing in all caps, but yeah. not John. John's okay. actually a Sacramento guy, John Schifferly. So here's a couple of uh, a couple of lines that I, I was able to go in and, and grab from that conversation. Here's Ed Isaacson, uh, who is, of course, NBADraftBlog.com. Um, he does excellent work with draft stuff. Uh, non-rookies who don't dominate summer league will fail. Willie Cauley-Stein may be a good bench player. Second quote, if I'm Vlade, I don't pick up option for third year. He's a disaster with no future for the team. He also said, I watched Willie Cauley-Stein as a junior in high school. That's the first time I saw him. I watched him play three years at Kentucky. He is still the exact same player he was then at today. And he also said that he has one post move, still only has one post move. And he, I think he also made a reference to the the articles about Willie Cauley-Stein's touch are a joke. Um, so I know you are a very strong Willie Cauley-Stein. Per, uh, you, you like him. You, you think he has a high... I don't know, a high ceiling league. ceiling. Yes. Uh, but is it possible that he's a complete bust? No, 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 no. Ed's my guy. I love Ed, everything he does. And I read his work religiously and, and agree with like 99% of it. The 1% I, I will not agree with is this Willie Colley Stein stuff. But the, uh, I think sometimes, uh, we're talking in semantics with a lot of this stuff and, you know, if he disagrees with the ceiling of Willie Cauley Stein, he's more than entitled to disagree with the ceiling and the stuff that he's saying about he's really the same player. Yeah, you know, he is. He's not an offensive force. Uh, I do think that what we saw with our own eyes is that he had good touch at times when given the chance and he was a very opportunistic off- offensive player. He didn't look dead in the water on that end. So, uh, you know, I'll respectfully disagree on that. And I think defensively, you know, there's obviously areas he has to improve with defending the three-point shot. Um, you know, beyond that, I thought he was pretty intuitive. I don't personally like his stance. And I don't like the amount of space that he gives defenders. That's just me being nitpicky because um, he moves like the wind. And he moves laterally amazingly. And his instincts are amazing on that end of the floor. Uh, he runs the lane very well. Uh, he ha- at least has the the um, the f- the foundation for a jump shot and the willingness to try to learn it. So I'm not calling him dead in the water on the offensive end, but as far as his game, yeah, it hasn't really changed since college because he's not able to take you off the dribble. He's not able to do multiple moves in the post at least yet. And you saw that in summer league. You know, when put to the test against inferior competition. And some good competition, too. You know, a couple times he was up against Jacob. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Pertle, I think is what it is. Oh, yeah. Who, who's a pretty good number nine pick out of Utah. Who's going to be a pretty decent backup center at a minimum in the NBA. So I think he got a little surprised by the level of competition there. But there is a thought that a high-end player should go into summer league and just whoop the crap out of everybody. You saw it with Norman Powell. You saw that with... Devin Booker, you saw that even a little bit with Chris Dunn. Uh, I thought the stuff with Ben Simmons was overrated, but you saw him be able to pick apart passing-wise at defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, You saw Brandon Ingram struggle, 
And and again, I just don't take anything I see in summer league real really all that seriously. So Ed is um, probably not a fan of Willie Cauley Stein's upside as a player and expressing it as such. And you know how Twitter gets. You know people are you know arguing their sides of the line. You only have 140 characters. So I'm just I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Ed will watch just like the rest of us and and keep an open mind to what Willie Cauley Stein's future would be. Okay. And, and look, I agree with a little bit of what he says too, because I was absolutely shocked. It wasn't that, that Willie didn't dominate summer league. It's that he did not play well at all. And I, I think that's scary. If you're a Kings fan, you, you look at him and, but at the same time, he's not a player that has been asked to dominate at, at the offensive end ever. And so you hope that he can improve on the offensive end, and you hope that he can become, you know, functional, uh, Tosh Gibson-type offensive player. You're hoping that that's sort of the basement of who he can be and that maybe he's got potential to be better. Um, but I think there there should be some concern. There should be con- some concern because he didn't show a massive ability to to impact a game like you would hope from the former, what, sixth overall pick in the draft in year two. And I, I'm not saying that anywhere close to a bust. But what I'm saying is that I think people who instantly pencil him in for 35 or 36 minutes a night and just say, oh, the Kings got it. He's there. We're cool. I think that that is naive as well. And we're going to have to wait and see on Willie Cauley-Stein and hope that he develops because we saw Ben uh, McLemore develop in year two. He looked like he was going to be solid going into year three and then absolutely fell off a cliff to where I don't even think the Kings, the Kings can trade him, but I don't even know if they can get a second round pick for him right now. I I think his value is nothing and the Kings don't want to give him away for nothing because they're like, well, I think we'd rather have him than give him away for nothing. He's a sweetener at this point. And but back to Willie, I, I just, you know, kind of reminds me of a um, a baseball player that's better in the second half of the season than the first. He's a slow starter uh, conditioning wise, but also the way he approaches the game is so cerebral. And when I say that, it means like he is really living it and feeling it and kind of like being given the ball and, and told now go go do stuff with it. It's a different ball of wax. And you could watch him. Oh, now I have the ball. Oh, now I've got. Now I've got. Now, now you let me do this. And it's different in practice or an open gym or wherever you're playing your basketball. When the lights are on and the other team is, especially in a situation like summer league where half these guys are fighting for camp invites, he, it's a different animal. You could see him thinking through the process of the game and realizing that okay, there has to be a little bit more reaction time to these moves. Not just a pre-planned, I'm going to go right, I'm going to spin, I'm going to step into this jump shot this way. The defense is there reacting to you. So it's not as easy as it is in the gym. And you see him feeling through those things. And he's going to eventually get a better handle. He's going to eventually get a better feel for the timing of his moves and reacting to what the defense is going to do. So I don't look at that at all as like a negative. And then I look at the defensive stuff and the, the, the hustle stuff the the stuff you don't see in the box score and the placement you know the opportunistic play on both sides of the floor I'm not worried about that guy at all he's another guy just pencil me in for massive improvement this season and I will deal with whatever fallout if I'm wrong 
but I, I but I'm not going to be wrong. Aaron, so you, 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 his, you guys just you can just bank on it. His road to 43 on Willie Colley Stein and Gary. Don't Temple. make it 43 because I might go higher than that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 47. I uh, George Carl. Why? 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. Do you have any final thoughts on uh, this week's CSN Kings Insider podcast? Just that I'm really excited to see what DeMarcus is able to do. I think he's probably in the best shape of his career, and that's really scary because yeah. I think I, I just don't – we haven't seen a big man with that combination of speed and strength, and so that's going to just be real interesting Like when the games actually matter come preseason. Um, those games don't matter, but when it, we can actually see him on the court and against good competition, I just – I mean – we could be looking at something historic. Players don't get 10 free throws per game just accidentally. You know, they don't come along that often. So I think he could shoot 10 plus free throws a game, 11, 12 free throws a game, and he's got to make sure he can shoot those free throws. He slipped a little bit. Um, that's the part that I'm looking forward to if I'm a Kings fan. Excellent. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. Thank you to Doug Christie for joining us in the first segment of the podcast. Uh, always a bright, insightful mind. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. We'll see you next week.